A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Welcome to The Times. To find out more, head to thetimes.co.uk. Good morning and welcome to the Times Opinion podcast. I'm Philip Webster. I'm editor of the Times Redbox Bulletin. It's back next Tuesday, September the 1st, after its August break. I'm sitting in today for the absent Tim Montgomery. We've got a star-studded lineup. Anne Ashworth, our money and property editor, who will be talking about the great fall of China. Anne Treneman, our parliamentary sketch writer, who's about to metamorphose into our theatre critic. And Giles Wattel, our chief leader writer. So that's all right then. Breathe a sigh of relief and get on with your day. As lots of people forecast, investors have seen the share price falls of Monday as a buying opportunity and indices of starting to go upwards instead of downwards. But mm, let's wait a moment. Maybe we should remain concerned as events on the Chinese bourses indicated that the country's regime is ill-equipped to deal with this sort of situation and that the truth about this country's economy could be much more disturbing than we think. I've never seen the Baal Shemin temple at Palmyra and now I never will. The barbarism of the ISIS fanatics who've blown it up is numbing, but what's really troubling about the destruction of Palmyra is its intent. ISIS wants to make a mark for eternity, and to this end it's also doing more practical things like training up women doctors. It's not going away unless and until it's defeated, and diplomacy and air raids won't be enough. Who can we blame for the ongoing 100-car pileup that is the Labour Party leadership election? Can we blame the morons? Quotes, who sponsored Jeremy Corbyn in the naive belief that he would widen the bait? Can we blame Jeremy, who's insisting, in fact loving, his time in the sun? Can we blame Yvette and Andy and Liz for being so, well, just a bit dull? But can we blame the Labour Party members? Or can we blame Ed Miliband? The fact that everyone seems to agree that we can blame Ed Miliband makes me wonder if Ed Bashy is now an official national sport. Right. Well, we'll kick off with Anne Ashworth. Anne, it's uh, what's been happening over the last few days, and 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 particularly early this week. Is it the usual summer flap on the 
stock exchanges or is there something far more serious going on here? Are we all going to catch a cold as a result of what's happening in China? It remains to be seen. In one way, you could say this is exactly what we could have expected to happen. There are now more people in China with brokerage accounts, that's accounts with stockbrokers, than there are members of the Chinese Communist Party. (laughs) Share speculation has become a sport in a country that has always, and I know it's a cliche, but nevertheless it's a cliche that rings true, loves gambling. People have been betting on shares and some sort of correction could have been expected. People were dealing on rumour rather than real company news and there was a huge amount of froth on the market which at some point needed to dissipate. That's the way that market works and in one way we shouldn't be surprised. What gives me and I think loads of other people real grounds for dismay over this week's events is the ineptitude of the Chinese regime in trying to deal with it. First the intervention in the currency markets, then trying to prop up share prices by corralling a few state-owned firms to buy shares and then stepping away from the market seemingly powerless to be able to do anything and it suggests to me that this is a a nation that's in transition and doesn't necessarily know which way to go. And is it a split between the sort of political and economic leaderships in China? It seems to me that the 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 reformists were prepared to let let things go and it was the political leadership that said no we can't do this this is bad for China and that's why you've got this confusion about what China is going to do and it seems that the recovery may have in other in other markets may have happened because people have seen that this time around China is not going to intervene it's so opaque we're all in a fog here we don't know about anything about the country's growth figures is the is the figure of 7% for example that is supposed to be the growth that's happening just a fiction and i think that we need to feel convinced that china is on its way to becoming turning from less of an exporter into more of a consumer-led economy before we feel reassured. However, one thing that I feel this morning in particular is that this has not suppressed the animal spirits in the market, that people have feel confident about our economy and despite the warnings of George Osborne yesterday about it being rather bad news for us, people have decided to overlook that for a moment but I think we should remain concerned. The most interesting impact is going to be we were all thinking that interest rates were going to rise sooner now they're going to rise Mm. later. Certainly America won't be raising interest rates anytime soon and I don't think it's going to happen in the UK for a while yet. And what do you think uh, in in George Osborne has been telling us for some time that He's always a ray of sunshine. Mm, that something's going to happen uh, <laughs> and that it'll impact particularly on, on Britain, whether it's a Eurozone crisis or whether it's a wider financial crisis in the world. Is there a danger here politically for the Tory party or are they immune from everything at the moment because of what's going on in another party that we'll be talking about shortly? Um, well, they're not immune. Um, and as we know, there's a lot of storm clouds on the horizon for the Tories, uh, regardless of what else happens. But I think um, the way George in general works is he paints the blackest 
it, you know, you can't he's put the blackest picture possible. You can't sort of if he was in a black room <laughs> wearing black, that is sort of the scene. You can't sort of see any light. And then something positive happened. He goes, this look at marvelous thing. Now there's been this mini recovery and it's all due to me and Dave. Um, I mean, that's his modus operandi. He works in very black and white sort of sort of figures like that. And um, I think most people frankly look at the at the china thing and they just don't know what to think mm. i mean we've all been told it's the economic miracle then now we've been told it's uh, you know the, the bubbles bursting all the rest of it it is opaque giles what about america i mean we've been expecting them to start putting interest rates up in the in the autumn and there's clearly still going to be a battle about that but already uh, today you've got the voices in washington saying this telling the Fed this this mustn't happen. We've got to give a few more months before you uh, even think of doing that. Are people using the China crisis to um, keep interest rates as, as low as possible? It seems that um, it won't happen nearly as quickly as, as, as people expected. And uh, for um, British property owners, that may be a good thing, especially if they're saddled with large mortgages. Uh, I've been thinking more about, about China itself uh, and the good news and the bad news. If I can pick up on what you were saying about the political leadership, that's a huge problem. China's run by engineers who, who have said that they're going to let the markets work by themselves, but haven't a clue how markets work. Mm. So Xi Jinping um, is, is leading blind in, in that respect. But I think there's an underlying uh, reason not to panic which is the sheer size of the Chinese population and the long-run projected growth of the Chinese middle class. This was the next great Chinese hope, was that having, having funded uh, our and the American appetite for debt, they would, they would now buy our exports. Um, they're not going away. They have been burned, um, those who have brokerage accounts, by their latest flirtation with buying and selling shares. But they work very hard. They're gradually accumulating purchasing power. Burberry might have had a, a bad week, but if they can hang on in Shanghai and Beijing, they and Rolls-Royce uh, and everyone else who wants to sell to China still has a huge opportunity. And, and I think that is the underlying reason why people have, why, why markets came back a bit last night and um, may do so over the course of the week. So Anne, not apocalypse now, but possibly apocalypse in the future? I would say a timely reminder that it's a market. Share prices go up as well as down. And we should always remember that there's some sort of feeling that, you know, that they will reassuringly rise and rise and rise. And I think that everybody, given that all our pensions and our futures are largely dependent on the stock market, it's a good thing to remind ourselves that this can happen. Right. Let's move on to uh, Syria. And Giles, uh, the destruction of the temple at Palmyra and everything that's happened since, the uh, brilliant interview in the Times with the director of antiquities, the son of the, uh, the guy who's, who's killed or murdered, you seem to be recommending pretty strong action there in your statement. What, what do you think can be done? And is there a difference between what you would like to see done and what can be done? There is. Let me start with a fantasy. I have a fantasy that some... UN cultural military force drops out of the sky and erects a ring of steel around Palmyra and says, enough, we're going to take this city, we're going to hold it as an example of our resolve, 
we are going to reinstate civilization within this boundary and everyone can see how preferable it is to what ISIS is doing and gradually will spread from there. That's not going to happen. But the, the really sobering point that we all have to recognise, I think, about ISIS is it's not ephemeral. It expanded so mm. quickly that my instinct, at any rate, was it's going to go away quickly. It's going to be a house of cards. And that's why I'm really worried, for example, about reports that some of these young women who are going to Syria are not simply uh, marrying assigned grooms. They're being trained up as doctors for the mm. long term because in ISIS land, if you're a woman, you can't be treated by a male doctor. You read about uh, the river taxis in Raqqa being repainted and, 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 you, and, and apparently if you are an obedient Sunni man, life in ISIS-controlled territory is actually pretty am amenable right now. These are all really bad signs for people who hope that this would simply, simply mm. go away. It's not, and there's no real debate in Europe about how to match the scale of that challenge. There is in the States, there's a lively political debate going on there because of the forthcoming election. I, I ripped off the internet what um, two people at opposite ends of the spectrum of sensibleness in, among the Republican candidates have said. So this is, uh, this is Donald Trump. I would knock the hell out of them and I'd put a ring around it and I'd take the oil for our country. And when it was pointed out to him that that would require tens of thousands of American boots on the ground, he said, that's OK. <laughs> and then uh, at the other end of the spectrum, you have Carly Fiorina. They know, as in the people of the region, that this is their fight. Yes, they need leadership, resolve, support and material from us. We haven't provided any of it. And if we did, it will make a big difference. I think that's a pretty sensible prescription. I think you need to back what is working militarily. And that's only one thing. That's Kurdish fighters. And you perhaps need to go back to the lessons of 2007, which was uh, essentially that suitcases of cash are very good for dividing and ruling. Mm -hmm. But but you need a beachhead for that. And so and you wouldn't go as far as ground troops yourself? No. I, 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 I wouldn't go as far as large numbers of uh, Western ground troops because inevitably they would be have to be uh, uh, American. And um, I don't think there's the stomach for the losses. And I don't think anyone in Europe should expect uh, the states to wade in and do our heavy lifting for us. And Treneman, we've got this issue coming back in Parliament fairly soon. It's quite obvious that there will, there will be talk the moment the House gets back about whether uh, UK air raid should be extended into mm. Syria. There's not much sign that air raids are inconveniencing ISIS very much at the moment if they seem to be spending all their time blowing up temples. But um, there's, there's going to be a big political argument about that. Do you think Cameron will even try it if Jeremy Corbyn is elected uh, leader of the Labour Party because he clearly would come out against it? Cameron's definitely going to try it. It's no question. I'm sure, I think he'll win the vote this you do. time. Yes. Um, Irrespective of who becomes Labour leader. Well, I mean, he has he has a very small majority and he, there will be some rebels, but I think that they will win this one. I think there are enough Labour people who will vote with the government. Um, I think, again, it, you know, the, the reason it was defeated last time was literally uh, kind of a mistake. I mm -hmm. mean, it, everyone now calls it the, the moment Syria was defeated. In fact, the actual resolution... So I don't think he mentioned Syria, and it was actually about something else. But people wanted to send a message last time that they don't want another Iraq, basically. I mean, 
Yeah. You know, all of these things, uh, they're done and crafted in detail, but basically politics is really at this level about sending the message. I think Cameron wants to send the message that Britain is back on the world stage where we have been missing for barring William Hague and Angelina Jolie. We haven't been have on the world stage for a while and I think he wants to send that message. And you don't think that people like David Davis, for example, who's this morning saying that it should be nothing should be done really to extend mm. this until we've got the Chilcot, Chilcot inquiry. Oh, uh, not trying inquiry. to use the... Oh, well, uh, we can, use the, we've got another sort of hundred years here. I think people will have lots of arguments about it, and I think people are very afraid of uh, getting involved in... An, Afghanistan was, a, I mean, politically, it was a something that no one really talks about, which means it was a disaster. But no one talks about it that much because um, our soldiers were did such a you know, brave job there. But it, I think it's viewed as a political mistake. And I think no one wants another mistake on that level. Anne Ashworth, it, it, it's interesting that this has come back onto the, um, into the headlines again. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Because of what happened, the sacking of Palmyra. Do you think it takes that kind of... I mean, there, there are thousands of people being killed out there by ISIS, but it's taken this to bring it back to public attention. What are, what's your own thoughts on this? I remembered when I stood while on holiday in Jordan looking at Syria and thinking, we can't go there, I will never go there now, I wish I'd seen all those wonderful places in Syria sooner. I remember experiencing that moment of terrible regret and the sorrow that I felt for the Syrian people. Now, with the Syrian people in mind, I hope that Cameron uses this autumn to show that he is a statesman and indeed this is the moment he needs to do so. If he's to entirely differentiate himself from Corbyn, Cameron needs to be the grown-up statesman, the man who can make tricky decisions, rather than the kind of slightly ageing adolescent that, to me, Corbyn seems to me, a man who's against everything, rather than having an, any particular plan for how we could proceed. And I sense, like Anne, there could be support for it, mm -hmm. because... If we see ISIS turning from something akin to a death cult to something akin to a caricature of a proper society, then we must act. That's the point, isn't it, Giles? That they, as you were saying, they they're dug in now. There's um, they've they've established what they wanted to establish, or they're getting there, and um, nothing really has has happened to uh, 
to stop them. Yeah, and as you suggest, it's terrible and it's sad that it takes the destruction of an ancient stone monument rather than the slitting of more throats to pull us back, uh, to, to focus on this. But it's hard to think of a more concise summary of what ISIS is and why it's so wrong. They have destroyed this temple because it represents a different worldview than their own, uh, which is exactly the same reason, apart from to terrorise people, that, that, that they behead and, and murder in such atrocious ways. But it's symbolic, therefore, not simply because it destroys a UNESCO World Heritage Monument that people won't be able to see anymore, but because it is exactly what they stand for, they stand for and why they have to be confronted by more than simply um, air raids and hand-wringing. UNESCO says it's a war crime. I suppose it is. Yes, it is. And, of course, they've committed uh, war crimes and crimes against humanity from the moment they got started. There is a real problem uh, in that we have the ICC, which can go after states... And it's not a state, at least not recognised by the ICC. And of course, the moment you, it would be absurd to recognise them as a state in order to prosecute. Mm. Um, we, we, as our society, even in this conversation, we're making them into something quite sort of, not quite thrilling, but certainly out of a movie out of a Bond film, an evil character. Now they're creating this evil society mm. like Dr. No or something like that, where you know everyone will sort of be programmed and everything. I think that that's part of the problem. There are smart ways to go about, you know, it's not the first time that we've sort of taken or looking at an enemy that we don't quite understand, but obviously we need to understand it a little better and sort of start looking at various ways. I mean, we're sending all these mixed signals, even that we don't even know what to call it. Exhausting. I'd like to know how anti-radicalisation programmes are going. What is the recruitment rate for ISIS? Are whole families sti upping sticks mm -hmm. and making to join their ranks or is that slowing are we seeing the leaders in the muslim community saying to families saying to young men this is not a way forward that's the aim of theresa may's um, program whether it's whether it's happening or not i don't know and what we don't know also is how many are coming back how many people who've gone out have come back we don't really they're waiting for figures this, on that there's all these sort of smoke and mirrors around the whole subject i think it would behoove everyone to be a little more open, honest and more forthright about it. Yeah. Well, look, let's move on to a, a lighter subject. Um, oh, yes. I think the shambles in Her Majesty's Labour Party is, is definitely a, a, a lighter subject than the two we've discussed so far. Anne, uh, you, you've raised the question as to who is to, uh, to blame for this shambles, and I think we could probably... Um, have a whole list of names. Charles Clark the other day had a go and he was of the view that it was the National Executive Committee and of Ed Miliband. <laughs> These rules that have led to this situation came in in 2014 and actually some papers and columnists hailed them at the time because... Some? They, they, All? Yeah. Oh. And everybody said... I was at the speech where Ed announced that he was taking on the unions and it, the word he kept using over and over again was awesome. Awesome this, awesome that. And, um, you know, everyone everyone said this is great, you know, finally they're taking the power from the unions. It was, well, the law of unintended consequences, but also the law of kind of not really following through, not thinking it through. I mean, it's a oh, classic Labour Party. Yeah, I mean, I... I covered the uh, the uh, the great battles of the 80s the early 80s late Surely 70s so. i did <laughs> um and uh, and 
At least in those days, the entryists had to fight to get in the Labour Party. But this time round, they'd been given an invitation. Yes, they were told right. after these reforms, by the way, if you want to come in, it will cost you three quid. Or if you're a trade unionist, it's nothing. Well, so know, it was born out of total why, lack of why confidence. Why didn't they see this? Well, I mean, there's total lack of confidence um, among the people. What they thought was, oh, well, you know, up until now, basically, we've done all the voting for them. You know, to trust people to actually vote is obviously a little bit worrying, you know. So what they thought was, oh, no one's going to sign up now because we're not going to do it for them. So we'll make it as easy as possible. You know, virtually no money, um, you know, sort of blinking your eye and you're in. And they completely sort of fail to understand that, it's you know, <laughs> these sort of things aren't just sort of, like, have to be on a, a different level. So it, I, I think that they had been more confident, saying if you want to be a member of the Labour Party, pay your dues, get involved, that's what you have to do. But instead they wanted to still sort of have more than three people in the party, basically. What, did, what, it, what happened was that about 150,000, uh, I think, union members were just landed on the party in the last... 10 days or so before the deadline. I know, that's another deadline, sign so of deep naivety. The idea that the unions who've controlled things for ages in Labour were just going to go, oh, OK, oh, OK. Oh, we won't do anything then. Oh, no, well, we won't mm. try and control anything. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of the new intake are union choices. I mean, that's one of the sort of little stories of the, the last election that has got buried a little bit. Um, the new, a lot of, many of the new Labour Party MPs are very much union, backed completely by the unions, and, you know, that's what that's who they're there for. What's your view that if Corbyn is elected, and that looks fairly likely, uh, unless everything's wrong Anointed again, is the phrase. Yeah. In, in 81, Labour split... Do you think they'll split this time? To be honest, yes. Um, because I cannot see how so many people who have been in Parliament for a long time can back it. I mean, I just can't see how they can completely... I mean, his policies are so different and they're so sort of, I think, unrealistic. It will be very hard to really back him for many, many Labour members, MPs, yeah. yes. So, uh, Anne Ashworth, uh, th this morning he's, uh, or yesterday he was talking about um, sacking, the, or one of his aides was talking about sacking the Bank of England governor. If if the Bank of England governor didn't do what a Labour government under he, Corbyn, wanted, this morning he's apparently proposed a maximum wage rather than a minimum wage. <laughs> uh, I wonder whether he really wants to be elected. He certainly didn't intend to be elected. He, he, it wasn't even his aim to get on the, uh, on the, on the ballot paper. But uh, what do you think, looking at it from... Um, what, what does the city make of the prospect of a, an opposition led by uh, Jeremy Corbyn? Well, if he doesn't want to get elected, um, he's certainly enjoying the whole process, mm. isn't it? I mean, you know, this is his moment. I think as people observing the situation rather than entirely involved in it, they think, well... This probably assures another Conservative government in 2020. Personally, I find the whole thing distasteful, the whole process of the selection of the Labour leader distasteful in its treatment of women. Now, how does Labour get elected? It does so by appealing to women. Gracious me, what way they've treated Kendall, Cooper, and let's get on to Corbyn's age. If he were a woman and going to be Prime Minister in his 70s, the debate would be all about his age, not, a, not mm. fit for it. 
and we have these two excellent and now candidates. It's, got his beard. Yeah. it's two excellent candidates, Cooper and Cat, who've been belittled and as if portrayed as barely competent and not able to take on the job of of marshalling the Labour Party, of giving us the opposition we deserve. Mm. I've been the dismay that I have felt about this all summer has been considerable. Yeah, I, I, I think we're dealing think with a pretty chauvinist movement. Middle Middle Britain woman, she'd be saying, "Yeah, that's the message to me that um, you know it's, it's all back to the '80s, girls in the typing pool and not fit for too much else." It's as if Margaret Thatcher had never been the leader of mm. our country. Yeah, Giles, a weak opposition, bad for the country. No, I'm I'm delighted with the whole process, and I think it's extremely democratic. There, there are a number of constituencies. <laughs> there, there are Tory entryists. We don't know how many. There are the union people. There are traditional Labour people. And there's a group that we haven't talked about because there's none of them in the room here. And I'm going to impersonate one of them. Let's pretend I'm 20 and I've got a whole lot of student debt. No, let's pretend I'm 22. I've graduated. I don't have a job, not much prospect of, of, of one in the field that I've uh, specialised in. I don't have a flat, never going to get one. I look at Podemos and I look at Syriza and I think, yeah, the heck with the whole lot. And all my mates are thinking the same thing, men and women. And uh, I think it'd be really interesting to count them up when this uh, vote happens on, on uh, September the 12th. And um, I think we might find that this was a, a proper democratic expression of frustration by young people. Oh, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure there's there's been quite a big sign up yeah, by, by young people. people. Lots and of old people too. I mean, lots yeah. of uh, people lots who of haven't taken people. much interest in, in politics. Mm. Suddenly they see this guy. They haven't heard a politician coming out with the kind of stuff that he's come out with and they, they quite like it. And uh, I, this, my view is that they're not actually looking at Corbyn as a future prime minister. They, they're, they're voting for something, they're voting for a wave, they're voting for a protest, but they are not equating with that with a vote for the next prize. They may be right. I, uh, I think you're right, and, and what better time to do it than now with yeah. four years to go until the yeah. next general election? Yeah. I think it's really rather good then. Everybody's getting interested in politics. If everybody that has a view on Twitter or elsewhere about Mr Corbyn actually goes out and vote, then it will all be for the good. Well... I think that one of the things I would say is this is all a little bit, um, those of us who covered Scotland, it's a little bit like the SNP. Now, the SNP have something they actually believe in and that they really are planning for another referendum. And But the Corbyn Labour Party, what do they actually believe in that they can do? You see, I think a movement, a political movement, has to be able to say we are eventually going to do something. And that, so, I mean, the SNP have shocked everyone. How will, I mean, I'm sure Corbyn, there's not a mistake, he's spending so much time up there in Scotland. Mm. But how is that going to actually work as the official opposition? Well, that'll be the question, is, is if he does get it, what happens in the, in the few weeks after he's elected, what he does to, to put any of these things that he's been proposing into practice? M nothing much can happen. That's going to be his problem. He's going to have a lot of disappointed idealists out there. And he has put executive pay right back at the top of the agenda. I think that's quite interesting. We've seen Claire Foges saying that people find the amount that people get paid at the top of the com of companies yeah. slightly distasteful. And I think there is a feeling throughout the country like... Who needs that quite that much money to get out of bed in the morning and go to work? 
We're getting quite a bit of optimism here about this contest. So, so the world is changing here this morning. But and, uh, <laughs> you well, still haven't told us who you're going to blame. And we've been waiting. We're on tenterhooks. Here, <laughs> here, well, who, you know what? I'm not going to blame Ed Miliband. Right. Um, and it's for no... I, I just think the guy... We like... You know what? We are just... We like to have a little bit of bully in us. And I think that the guy... You know, I don't think he could have won on this one. I think, you know, who did we actually blame? I think we have to blame the Labour Party. If the rules had been different, if the Labour Party didn't have this belief in their, uh, this sort of, uh, that, you know, if they hadn't sponsored, people who didn't believe in Corbyn hadn't have sponsored him. You know, so they have created this situation. Well, last question for all of you. If Corbyn wins, will he be taking Labour into the election in 2020? Anne? Yes, but That's why right. I'm saying that, I don't know why. <laughs> I would say no. How long do you give him? A while, uh, because as we know, getting rid of one is not that. <laughs> but I think that it's easier to get rid you know, of one. There will than, be... uh, although Labour Party doesn't get rid of its leaders, there, there might be yeah, an exception here. But it is the rules make it easier to get rid of a leader than it is to get. I think there will the people be on the, on the ballot paper. There will be chaos. And Jar, is he going to survive? Yes. Till 2020. Excellent. Well, that's it. Corbyn to take two out of three. Corbyn to lead Labour into the next election. That's all for today. <laughs> and maybe the only time. Thank you so much for listening. Read more at thetimes.co.uk forward slash comment central. Subscribe to this podcast via iTunes. Thanks for all our guests for taking part and thank you again for listening. Thank you for downloading. To discover more, head to thetimes.co.uk.